welcome back to Netball Nation for another episode of Netball Chats. Now, as always, I'm joined by Sarah and Max. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see that I clearly didn't get the white top memo today. <laughs> this is kind of cream, beige. But... It's kind of grey, but it kind of looks closer. Well, it's yeah, cool. they both look the same colour to me, so I'm feeling a bit like <laughs> girl. How are we, Sarah? How are you? I'm good, thank you, yeah. What have you been up to? Um... Yeah, not a lot. I can't, you know I... what? Do you know what I've realised? The conclusion on this, Mags, is that the two questions Sarah hates the most on this are, what have you been up <laughs> you got any shout-outs? Oh, <laughs> I went climbing a mountain in the Lake District at the weekend. There <laughs> you go. Oh, that, did you? What? Yeah, I did because I, my legs have only just recovered. I'm trying to block out the pain of the day after when my backside was on fire. <laughs> what mountain was it? I can't remember its name. We'll, we'll I, I put it, I let, I'm going to check because I put it on my Instagram, I think. Oh, you put the actual name in that? Well, anyway, how long did yeah. it take you and was it good? It took me three and a half hours up and down. Stickle Tarn it was in Langdale. Stickle Tarn in Langdale, there we go. And so it was great. It was like the, the best day on Saturday. It was like great weather, so I had to sun cream up and, and sweat it out. Nice. What was it like at the top, Sarah? Was it still the same sort of climate at the top? Yeah, it was still it was still really warm, um, oh, and then yeah, I could see for miles, so it was nice. Oh, lovely! Well, see if you, if you go over there, uh, Netball Nation listeners, see if you can beat Sarah's time of three and a half hours. Did you say? Yeah, well, we uh, yeah we we weren't we weren't pacing it that hard to be honest. <laughs> we had plenty of breathers. Ah, little casual <laughs> stroll. <laughs> um, and Mags, what have you been up to? Any baking been going on? Oh, well, I've been shamed into doing some. So I've been helping out at a netball camp and uh, shamed into uh, knocking a little bit of something together for tomorrow because they said, well, we'll hear about it every week, but we ain't seen no proof. <laughs> they think you're lying, though. <laughs> yeah. What are you knocking together for tomorrow? Oh, something dead simple. So it's just going to be some rocky road. Oh, yeah, dead simple, that. That would just be a lump of marshmallow if I tried <laughs> I'm very excited for when this is all over and we can try your goods, Max. Oh, I'm oh, going to have a little basket, a little basket of goodies for you guys. Big basket, and we'll take oh, it. Huge. <laughs> this is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK, your one-stop shop for everything netball. Now then, let's not forget about our amazing competition this August, powered by Netball UK and supported by ASICS. We're giving you the chance to win a pair of ASICS brand new netball trainers for you and a pair for a friend. We've got eight pairs to give away, four shoes available now at Netball UK. The ASICS Professional FF2, Super FF, Academy 8 and Professional 2 GS Junior. This week, we are telling you about the Gel Academy 8. It kickstarts the ASICS netball range, featuring all the key technologies. This netball shoe offers great stability to players of all ages and abilities, particularly with the full leather upper. Its hardware sole performs well indoors and out and will last you a long time, giving you excellent value for money. The Academy 8 features the Fluid Ride technology, a twin layer of cushioning that helps to absorb impact and also has the bounce back feature to assist your dynamic movements on the netball court. Available in classy black and rose gold or a more traditional midnight blue and white. Order yours now from netballuk.co.uk. Or to win some, go to the My Netball Nation website and click on the banner on the homepage and you'll be back to court ready with Netball UK and ASICS. Now then, it's over to you guys in this week's podcast. Our nationers who listen or watch on YouTube on our YouTube channel every week. We're going to be answering your questions and discussing your comments. Next, the ANZ Grand Final between Pulse and 
tactics on Sunday. And we look forward to that as well as a review of the shortened yet very exciting season. Now, before we get into all of that, we have a very special guest in Outgoing Australia Diamonds head coach, Lisa Alexander. I know it's morning for you. I do know that. Um, <laughs> no excuse for that underwhelming response there. Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it's my stepson Henry is living and working in London. So yes, we do kind of understand the the time zone differences. But so good morning. <laughs> and good, good evening to you, Lisa. What time is it over there? It's 5 p.m., so, you know, it's not pre-dinner drinks time just yet here in my country estate, but um, it's nearly that. Oh, Lisa, any time is gin o'clock. I feel like we should duck off this and come back and join you for that bit, Lisa. Yes, well, we're in a beautiful area in um, country Victoria. It's called uh, Avoca and it's in the Pyrenees district, which is a very famous wine district in, in Victoria. So beautiful red wines. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, and how are things in general? Obviously, you know, that's a yep. question we've been asking every guest um, since lockdown on the podcast. How are things for you over there? Well, things aren't a lot different for us in country Victoria. We're basically what's called stage three, which means you're only allowed out for essential purposes. So, and we have to go out with a mask on. So inside the house, I'm okay with the mask off. Um, but my um, daughter and my stepson who are living in Melbourne, they're in stage four, which means basically they're not allowed out of the house um, unless it's an hour of exercise and they have to get food. That's that's it for them. So we're, I think, in the middle of our um, state of emergency or disaster, I think it is now, and um, another three weeks. But our numbers are going down, so we're heading in the right direction, which is good. Yeah, that is good. And obviously, you know, it's weird times. It's weird times for everyone. Uh, But hearing hearing that, you know, uh, Sarah and Mags, that whole lockdown thing that you said some of your family are in, just being able to go out for an hour for exercise, that was, you know, that was a really daunting and low time for a lot of us here. So it must be difficult for people over there who are in that stage who are still enduring that. Absolutely. But I think, look, there's a couple of things that are working in Victoria's favourite. For those that you don't know, Victoria's at the bottom of Australia, so it's winter. And so that's working in our favour, the the season, whereas where the netball's being played, the super netball is in Queensland and it's just beautiful. So normally Victorians, if they had holidays, would be going up there for a holiday um, because it's got, you know, the beautiful 30 degree days um, and, you know, it's, it's quite nice so um, but we've been keeping a close eye of what's happening in England because of you know I said my stepson Henry's over there and um, so you know it's of great interest to us and um, also the fact that I think it was today that England netball got the go-ahead or the government gave the go-ahead for netball to be played or trained for um, in the community which is fantastic news because we've stopped down here. That, that really is fantastic news and that's going to go down so well, isn't it, Mags and Sarah? Oh, people have just been itching and, and praying for, uh, for this day. Still got some conditions that are attached to people actually doing the netball, but do you know what? We can have more than six people on a court, which is just amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really one of those things you don't know you miss it until it's, until it's gone sort of thing. And, um, you know, particularly in country 
areas of Australia, the sporting clubs are actually the social fabric of the town and the community. So we've had our football, which is our Australian rules football, um, you know, that funny thing where they kick it and mark it and all of that stuff. (laughs) And um, the netball, which goes with it, and it's a club, that's all been cancelled. So it's actually quite sad for our country towns that we're missing that part of uh, community sport at the moment. It is, and, and we'll touch more on the, um, you know, what was announced about England being able to play netball over here um, shortly. But, Lisa, we couldn't have you on the show without getting stuck straight into the inevitable question. I think you know... Ask the hard question. questions. Come on. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm ready. I've got, my, I've got my flak jacket on. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. Um, Lisa, who do you think is going to replace you as Diamond's head coach? And who would you want to see replace you? Look, I think it's pretty unfair to say who I want because, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's actually a real privilege and an honour to be in that position. So I wouldn't want the pressure on somebody being the anointed one from me. But I can say that there are obviously what I'm proud of, I think, is the fact that we've got a number of people who can And obviously there will be one person who does do the job and they're going to be ready to do the job based on, well, particularly if it comes from somebody out of the Suncorp Super Netball, they're going to be very well versed in how to deal with the pressure of decision-making and scrutiny and all of those things. Although I have to say any coach, it doesn't matter which coach you're talking about in which time frame or history you're talking about, they never will have been prepared for what the job entails because it is evolving and it will change all the time. So I think probably the coach that was the most prepared for it was Joyce Brown because her three stints at being the national coach meant she had time off in between. So she did a world championship, then had time off, somebody else did it, and she did that each time. So um, she actually knew what she was getting herself into. Um, I think, obviously, Norma Plummer probably had a bit of an idea because, you know, she'd been in charge of a very famous club in Melbourne, Victoria, for a long time, Um, also was the Australian 21 coach and was working at the Australian Institute of Sport, which was our most professional leading full-time coaching position. So many of those already had a lot of the work done. And these days, because all the coaches are full-time coaches, I think they're much more prepared for the professional nature of the job. Um, But you won't actually know what it's like until you're in it. Um, And we've also got that part of the story, which is about the past players, which, you know, I must admit I get a little bit disappointed with that from time to time when I hear that, that, you know, you you can only coach Australia if you played for Australia. But, you know, you you talk about jockeys, you know, riding horses. Well, they can't be horses and be the best jockey. You know, anyway, it's a a mute point, I think. I think it's um, the best person for the job. Um, and Lisa, you've got to get just your coaching credit. Because that was going to yeah, be one of sure. the questions that I was going to ask you, because one of our uh, listeners had asked us a couple of weeks ago um, mm-hmm. a question about the fact that they thought that most of the top coaching positions were held by individuals who had played at the top of their game had played internationally. Um, mm. But clearly that's just not the path that you trod on your way to the top job in Australia. Are you, you know able to just tell us how that happened? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I'm actually one of the ones that hasn't played for Australia that's coached Australia and I'm very proud of that because in many ways I've overcome a hurdle that's been there. It's a bit like a glass ceiling for, you know, the first female president of the United States in a way. Um, and as I was explaining to you before, it's really, you, you don't know um, what the job's going to be like. It's, it's, it's a very unique position. There are a number of coaches in our system who haven't played at the elite level. I was lucky because I played at the elite level. I mean, I made the final 20 for Australia. So I have had enormous levels of elite playing background as well. Um, it's just not as apparent or as advertised as what it might be in, in male sport, for example, and it's not as celebrated either. Um, hopefully things like that will change. I've always known that most of our elite coaches, and this is through studies in coaching, that 90% around of those elite coaches come with an elite playing background. Um, but, you know, there's still 10% that don't. Um, you know, Julie Fitzgerald's an example at the uh, Giants netball. Uh, Julie has not played elite level sport, but she has worked her way up in the coaching ranks and she has other strengths that she has as a coach. And she has added um, people to her programs to help make up for the lack of her own individual understanding of playing the game herself. But as a very wise man says to me very often, the good old days are here and now, and it's now that counts, and it's your ability to coach now. And, yes, your playing ability and what you learnt as a player is extraordinarily important, but you've got to be able to communicate that to your athletes. Um, I think national coaching is different because, in a way, you've got to have a very good understanding from a diplomatic point of view, what it is to represent your country that has special requirements on it and responsibilities um, that, you know, mean you really need to have a good understanding of, of why you're doing the job. Um, it's not for the money, I can assure you of that. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's the prestige, but it's also the humble understanding that you are representing the million players that play netball in Australia and how important that is, um, that connection with grassroots. And I think that's what I'm really proud of that, you know, I think we've achieved in Australian netball, particularly over the last 10 years while I've been at the helm, that we've continued our connection, our great connection with grassroots netballers and never got ahead of ourselves I always like to say, it's a good Aussie saying, don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> Lisa, um, a, a lot Hopefully that answers that question. <laughs> but I'll go back to the original one. I'm not going to anoint someone because I don't think that's fair. And I don't know. It's, you know, it's a hard, it's a terribly hard job, but it's a terribly great job at the same time. So I think there's a number of coaches that can do it. Obviously, Simone McInnes is a front runner at the moment. I know Simone quite well. I played alongside Simone um, for Victoria. Um, she was in teams with me at 21 level and also open level. So being in a team with her, uh, I actually coached her. Many people don't know this. Back in 1995, she was my captain of Victoria and I was the coach. I was very young back then. And we won the national championships the first time Victoria had won, actually since both of us had played together in 1986 for the Victorian team, which was coached by Norma Plummer. 
Um, so there's a lot of history there. I know Simone well from that point of view. Um, she also sat on the bench with me when um, I coached the Melbourne Phoenix back in 2002 as my assistant coach. And she was um, took over the Australian 21 team from me when I moved on and was coaching in Adelaide and then I moved into the national job. So I've been working closely with Simone, particularly as a Dixon's coach over the past 10 years. And her... I guess her being also the Victorian Institute of Sport coaches clearly understands her responsibilities towards a national program and has been in charge of a national program that's preparing players for national programs for a long time and also history at Australian Institute of Sport. Um, so from that point of view, she's got a really great CV. And so I would see her being, you know, one of the favourites for the position. Of course, there's always, you know, people like Vicky Wilson may put her hand up. I don't know. Um, perhaps a Jane Woodlands Thompson might be a, a person that we call a dark horse. Um, and then there's also, you know, within our own system, Stacey Marinkovic and Julie Fitzgerald, um, Rosalie Jenke, um, Rob Wright, um, Kylie Burns already our Australian 21s coach and Bryony um, Akel has already um, put herself out of contention because she for a number of reasons but so that's that's great it's it's there's lots of competition which is what you want for a position like that and the person that gets it you know we, they will know that the past Australian coaches are there to support them because you know I've I've had nothing but from support from the past coaches and I will continue to do the same thing. Do, do you think it's it's possible to do both of those jobs Lisa in terms of a Suncorp coach and an Australian job or do you think it will be if one of those coaches gets it it's a phasing out of of some court for them I think probably the latter Sarah just um on a practical point of view um I really don't think you can do both jobs I just, I'm a complete no for that <laughs> even Nolene said that it nearly killed her while she was trying to do it um, she said that at a world's best conference here in Australia and, you know, she wasn't actually coaching within the same competition that she's going to be the national coach of mm -hmm. as such. So that was used as, um, I guess, discussion amongst commentators here in Australia. But from my point of view, for coaches, it would be a backward move in Australia to have our coach go to a part-time position because it's been a full-time position since 1990. Um, and I think it deserves that position and it undervalues all the work that the national coach does in the pathway and in their representing, as I said to you before, as a diplomat in the sport and all the good that they need to do, plus not to mention so many conflicts of interest and issues that would come up if you were a coach of the Suncorp Super Nipple and then you're also the national coach. Just very, very difficult to manage both. And, and Lisa, Hopefully that answers your question. It does. <laughs> it certainly does. Thank you, Lisa. And, and for you... Uh, I will say there that, you know, I was teaching um, full-time when I got this position back in 2011 and I didn't just dump my Year 12 class particularly. I had to cut back a bit and I went to part-time teaching, but it was a phased-in process. So I would say that if there is a coach that gets it from within the Suncorp Super Nipple, it'll probably be a phased-in process. But I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I really don't. I haven't heard a thing. Everyone asks me, I say, I don't, I don't really don't know. 
that's the thing you're going to get bombarded with all sorts of different questions aren't you but for but for you personally Lisa what's next for you in your career yeah it's a great question um I'm look I was probably originally wanting to have a good break from um well particularly from netball because you know I I did want to keep continuing the job um this and I made that very clear um, and so, you know, there's obviously disagreements there around things and how things should pan out. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be a love of mine and I love coaching netball and I'd love to continue doing it. Um, I did say that at my press conference. I would, you know, love to continue doing it if the right position comes up. And I will if, if it does. Um, but I was quite interested in looking at different sports. So I was looking at the the male professional sports here in Australia and trying to, you know, break a few um, glass ceilings again, maybe work in Australian rules football or um, particularly in the male competition, not not the female competition um, and also the rugby league, um, maybe in a coaching director type of role. But at the moment, because of COVID, all of those competitions, of course, have cut back and you would under all understand what that's entailed in England as well. Uh, particularly the effect it's had on women's sport in England. Um, and we're the first, you know, female sport that's got up and running here in Australia, thank goodness. So things are tight in sport. So people are less likely to take a risk in that area. Um, so I would just wait patiently, I think. And I'll do, I'm doing a little bit of speaking and I'm doing a little bit of work in um, lead, the leadership space and the high performance space. I'm keeping myself very busy, so um, well, I, won't, yeah, I won't go to sleep. <laughs> Lisa, I think it's well documented that a very, very, very good friend of yours is Eddie Jones, who is, obviously, as people know, with the rugby union. Coming from the north yep. of England, I'm a huge rugby league fan. Um, oh, you're a league fan. Great. Oh, Huge fan, huge. Run through the family. All my brothers have played. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Love it, love it, love it. So I'm just wondering, you know, any chance of you nipping across to England, maybe getting involved in anything across here? Yeah, look, I'd love to, and I wouldn't say no, because obviously, as I've said, my stepson Henry is actually living and working in England, and we've got some great friends in England too that we've, you know, met, and we've actually met a lot of them in Goa, would you believe, where we go holidaying um, yeah well we do we we meet some great people and they're you know live some of them live in Birmingham some of them live in Hampstead it's you know so it's not like it's not a place that we would love to come to and look Eddie hasn't actually reached out in that regard but it's not something that you know we would all you know I've I've spent some time with him at um at the English Rugby Centre and uh, you know I enjoy high-performance sports. So it's not something that I completely would rule out, that's for certain. I think one thing's for sure, Lisa, whatever you do next is going to be exciting. And it'd be great to, you know, have you on at some point in the future again and chat to you about the moves that you've made if you'd be up for that. Absolutely, love to. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to be yet, so we'll all, <laughs> we'll all sit back and we'll, we'll wonder about it. And, yeah, it's, it's just, you know... Yeah, it's great. It's just lovely to be able to have the technology where I can speak to you all over there in England. And and it's been so great watching English netball rise the way it has. Um, that's been, you know, really exciting for me. I know, you know, it wasn't much fun losing a gold medal to England back in <laughs> 2018. Uh, however, 
as a you know an ambassador and a global person that understands how important Nepal is to so many women and girls around this beautiful world of ours, um, it's it's just great that you know your country is really beginning to embrace it, and hopefully that will continue. Fingers crossed. And and Lisa, while we've got you, what have you made of the uh, of the Super Netball season? Albeit a weird one. Yeah. It's very weird. It's really hard actually keeping up with it because as a national coach, I would have to obviously have to watch every match and I would have to do um, selector ratings and discussions about every round of netball. Wow. Well, the selectors have really got their work cut out for them at the moment. Um, I'm assuming our past selectors are still doing their work, Annie Sargent and Michelle Wilkins, although they're very quiet about that, but I'm certain they're doing that quietly in the background. Um, so it would have been heavy because of the rounds in between and, you know, during the week and just getting used to watching it, which, you know, platform to watch it on. I actually had to ring a friend at Telstra, who's our, you know, Australian telephone company, um, yesterday to find out how to get it going on my TV, um, but overall it's been it's been pretty good. There's been lots of mainstream media interest, which is good um, on our um, normal sporting um, news items, the bulletins and things. So there's been a lot more attention on netball outside of just the games as well. Um, some brilliant pieces, I think, on Super Nipple have done on the players, like, um, you know, the little stories they've done, the vignettes. Finally, people are understanding what great athletes and people, you know, the netballers are. We all know that, but the greater public are learning about that now, which I think is fabulous. Uh, the game itself, look, the exciting thing is for me, seeing all the youngsters out on the court, it's just, you know, you can see my delight in my face. I just, I've seen these youngsters coming up through the ranks of, you know, as a national coach, I'm always at junior nationals and watching what they're doing. Um, I might be taking them for training sessions when I go on my visits to States and to see them out on the court and just, you know, really doing so well. It, I'm just, I'm really proud. It's a, that's the greatest thing that you can be a part of is seeing the, the wonderful development of young talent. And I know you guys feel the same way when you see the English players playing well out here too and, you know, you're barracking for them. And, um, you know, it's just a, that's the great thing about sport and seeing those youngsters develop. So the rule about having 12 and rolling subs I'm right into that. <laughs> I'm still not convinced on the two-point shot. Sorry. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, Lisa, like we, we, we know that you kind of, whilst you were in post as, as Diamonds coach, you were like very much against the two-point shot, which um, I, I, I hate it as well. But um, <laughs> how, how frustrated are you that it was kind of like as soon as you're not there to, to fight that corner, it's been pushed through? Uh, well, it doesn't surprise me is what I'm saying, Sarah. <laughs> um, you know, that's what happens. But look, they, the commission were determined to bring it in. And as a, like, I'm also pretty much, you know, I watch the business channels and I'm a bit of a strategist around business as well. I can see the reasoning for that, that they really, this was the only way they could get it in is in a season where it's unusual. Um, and that's what's happened in the other sports as well. Le Rugby league have brought a terrific rule in about the repeat six. And that has just 
really helped rugby league on TV here. Um, in fact, I prefer watching it over AFL at the moment because of the rule changes, mm. I think. And that's a big thing for me to say, um, you know, because I've grown up in Australian rules land here in Victoria. So overall, I think they had to do it and they had to get it done. The way they did it, I think the Players Association have told them very clearly they did not appreciate it. And I think the players deserved greater respect around how they did that because the players have been fantastic, really. The changes they've had to do have been amazing to get them all up there, particularly even the last-minute changes when Sydney, New South Wales was not, you know, acceptable to Queensland. They all had to get out of there within 24 hours. It was quite amazing. But Nepal gets the job done, as you all know. Um, and the umpires have found it hard too, I have to say. The umpires have found it really difficult because they've got jobs. They don't get paid that well, although at least they do get paid. And they've had to up uproot their lives as well. So, And they're essential to the game. So it's been a big thing for everything to happen. And even the respect about kind of consulting with them about the rule changes probably wasn't done very well. And in hindsight, I'm sure that Nepal Australia will you know, make a, a few changes uh, when we get back to normal. Yeah. Normal-ish. And, and <laughs> do you think, um, like, seeing the young players, like you said, is, is so good, do you think that's a, a kind of push to, to keep the, the um, winning a point per quarter rule out again next year? That you get yeah, to see more young, was... young players? I agree with you. That was the thing I think that was probably the most, um, the biggest stopper for coaches to get the young young ones out there. Uh, although you will have noticed that the Vixens made a bit of a change in their approach. Simone made a change in her approach from the weekend to this match. I don't think yeah. she had as many rolling subs. So she's gone back to a bit of the old playbook, um, which is interesting. And that's the balance that you have to make as a coach. You, you know, you've still got to win. And they're expected to win. I mean, they've got the team. So interesting, that one. Um, you know, that's the balance that you've got to get right. Even, you know, right, Rosalie's a good mate of mine and just discussing the difficulty around that is it's not easy. Um, but it has to be done. It's what you've got to, you know, you've got to row. <laughs> I think I've really appreciated it moving to the country is you've really got to make sure you prepare that soil for your vegetables I tell you <laughs> and you know it's the same thing with young players you've got to prepare for the for future down the track and if you don't do your work all of a sudden you get a few injuries and you're done so I think this you know New South Wales Swifts showed that last year they were they were forced into it, which is different in some ways. If a coach doesn't have to take as many risks as such, you sort of get forced into it. Um, but I think you've really got to have a mindset these days of understanding that you can't have a top seven because something will happen and it'll come undone and you haven't done enough work in the heat of competition to really get those players ready for it. And also you don't know what you don't know. Like look at Georgie Horges. I mean, she's unbelievable. She's come onto this court and just lit the whole, you know, scene open with mm -hmm. the way she plays. She's just been so calm and she was ready. Mm -hmm. So it's it's exciting. Hopefully that answered that for you. Yeah, it's another nice example, isn't it, with Georgie, seeing that you don't have to be six foot one, you know, and be mm -hmm. on that court. She's been nailing some beautiful shots. 
she's just so smart and calm and you know that's what we saw on the junior nationals court too when she's playing for South Australia and South Australia have had a winning record in their juniors you know for the past five years they've had great coaching they've really worked hard at the coaches that have coached those young players and they've had great connection with the program at the top and you know that alignment together you're starting to see the fruits of that now with those players out on court I love Taylor Williams as well Um, you know Maisie Nanka Bill's done a great job too. And now of course, you know, Layla Guskov coming back in and, you know, she was, I think her first match, she probably wasn't awake properly. Um, she's probably still <laughs> getting over being locked up in um, quarantine. Um, and Shamira Sterling obviously is a, you know, world-class goalkeeper. So, you know, they've got a good team and they, if they play well, they're going to, they're going to really shake some things up in the finals, I think. Lisa, thank you so, so much for joining us. It's been so insightful. I also feel like we've learned some great sayings as well from you. So thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, did you hear those? You've got you to toil the soil. I like that. Is that <laughs> it or, or till the soil? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on Netball Nation. It's been genuinely lovely having you on. We wish you all the best for whatever the future holds. Thank you. And please do join us again. Love to. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Nine o'clock over there. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, Now, obviously, when we were chatting to Lisa there, we touched on the fact that over in England, communities are allowed to play netball again. Very exciting news, but we know that there are rules and regulations in place. For anyone listening who's a bit unsure of what they are, uh, Max and Sarah, can you touch on those a bit for us? I think the the guidelines changed yesterday, the 18th, where they're now saying that you can actually have 30 people in, you know, on the one court together. So that kind of tells you that you can start playing netball again. However, there has got to be a distance of four feet behind you. I'm doing it in old money rather than what the metric system is. So you've got to have four feet between you and um, you've still got to adhere to all the um, hygiene rules. It's amazing news that we can get back on court but quite how we're going to manage to stay four feet away from each other is going to be difficult and I know that you need to have two umpires as well if you're going to start playing games and they're going to be the police on the sideline you know they'll be blowing the whistle every two seconds (laughs) you're too close you're too close and I think towards the end of uh, (laughs) is it September they're just maybe moving into the next phase where we can you know play proper proper netball and hopefully get within three feet of each other so it's great yeah. news. I don't want to be, you know, the journey on this because we've been, had our hands tied for so long. Um, but quite what it's going to look like, we'll see. It is great news. But by that point, if you, was it was at the end of September, you said, that it's going to be so ingrained in them that they've got to stay four feet that they'll be like, what? what? We, we can get closer <laughs> after that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now then, if you didn't know, this month we've partnered up with a sports team app called Heya. Now, Heya is an app for your phone that helps your team grow while bringing everyone together in a shared love for sports. You can use the app to easily organize and communicate with everyone on your team, and it's completely free to use and trusted by coaches, parents, and players all over the world. There is so much that this app can do, from keeping all your team contact details stored safely to scheduling games and training, getting player availability, messaging everyone, and more 
more. You can even set your teammates' challenges on it. If you want to check out the app, it's completely free. Just download Hey Ya, spelled H-E-J-A, from your app store and let us know what you think. Now, the last few shows have seen some of our most passionate discussions and it's shown in the amount of comments, tweets and questions we've been getting on socials and emails. So we thought it'd be great to go through a selection of them to bring you nationers into the conversation because after all, you're the very reason why we are here. From the Super Shot to improving netball streaming in the UK, you've delivered with your questions. So let's put Mags and Sarah in the spotlight and get cracking with a few, shall we? And when I say a few, guys, we've been inundated, right? Inundated, what, like six or something? <laughs> and three. We have been, <laughs> has been ringing off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Right, Emma Bosson um, says she's enjoying the discussions, again, thank you, on how to grow the revenue and reach. I don't know whether Skynet will have exclusive video and TV rights, but I still believe the concept of paying for streaming has merit outside of TV. Look at the Netball Live app for Suncorp. Also, franchises could explore themselves, partner with apprentices, uni students as a project to set up and deliver. Loads of scope for technical, vocational and practical experience, which would be a huge benefit to all thoughts um i think sky have had exclusive rights and that has been the problem previously because teams have wanted to live stream games and you know do things themselves and they've not been able to um as far as i know a new deal with sky is kind of currently being discussed so hopefully that will include things like the ability to stream and for teams to you know kind of take a little bit more ownership of that Obviously, I don't know what's in that deal, but I think teams have been pushing for a while to be able to do more in terms of getting more games out there for people to see, um, increasing the profile of the league and, and basically just, you know, people want to see more than one game a week. So can we make it happen? Yeah, it makes sense to make it happen. Yeah, and, and for the cost, I mean, the Netball Live app, it's about £14 for the, for the year. It's, it's peanuts. Um, and if we had the uh, ability to do something similar, I'd hope that we would get lots of take-up. But I think there's been a really interesting discussion this week, hasn't there, on uh, Sky Netball, about the fact that we've got so many people who play the sport, and yet the reality is that there's very few actually tuning to watch the games and there's very few that put bums on seats when it comes to actual life and, and i think that's the risk you know it's like the the costs of streaming are obviously less than live broadcast but there's, there's still costs involved and you can't kind of uh, the way the way things are with finances and covid and things um you can't just kind of go oh we're going to stream every game and then get 10 people tuning into a stream so I think it'll be a gradual process if it happens, um, but I would like to see it happen. And, uh, and the, the second half of the, I think that the listener's question when they were talking about tapping into resources that maybe, you know, university students that are doing some sort of sport degree or media degree or something like that. I think they'd be a fabulous resource, but, you know, they're not 10 a penny. And, you, and, and these, these kids are busy, you know, they're at university doing a degree for a reason. And, without wanting to be disrespectful to them, we, we've talked constantly about making sure that the product that we put out there is professional and first class. Well, they don't have the resources and we don't have the money to give to them to, to be able to put out that kind of project. Um, I'm sure they would be willing, but it's the finished product, the article that comes out that's spat out at the other end that, you know, what would that look like? So 
you know, everybody that's shouting for all this extra netball, you know, you need to start voting with your, your credit card and your feet, you know, yeah. download it and get, get there and watch those live games. Absolutely, because there's certainly a scope for that, isn't there? And it would be great yeah. to see, obviously, more coverage of it. Thank you for that, guys. Emma, I hope that answers your question. Next one's coming from Lucy Marvin Dawes, who says, I was just wondering if it's normal for defenders to wear mouth guards. I've seen Temelisi and Sulu wearing them in the A and Z. Is that normal for the UK and, and us? See, Sarah might know a little bit more about um, Temelisi because I remember a couple of seasons ago seeing her with a tooth missing. Yeah. So she probably wears her mouth guard to protect her crown, an implant or whatever it may be that she's had put in place. And I'm assuming that, you know, it's about the fact that they're playing against some pretty tall shooters who, when they come down, bring elbows down and, and, and hit, hit the keepers as they're coming down. She's just a scary Mary. Temelisi is so scary. Um, you know, maybe she wears it. I don't, you see the ones that they wear in rugby when they put like scary bits onto them. I'm surprised she hasn't done that so she smiles at you. But then she'd probably get done for intimidation, wouldn't she, by one of the umpires. Um, it's not common. It's not something I see regular at all. And I'm assuming that, you know, that for Temelisi, it's just to protect a tooth that she's uh, had popped in. Would you agree with that, Sarah? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't really see it um, because mouth guards are quite hard to play in. Like I, uh, when I played ho- hockey at school, I remember it was always quite difficult to to breathe and things in mouth guards. And I think because netball's so fast and your your head's turning a lot and things, I think p- people don't tend to wear them. But you know, if you've got something happening in that area, a tooth or whatever that you want to protect, then you know by all means, you, you definitely don't want to cop one in your mouth. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You certainly don't. There you go, Lucy. You don't want to cut one in your mouth. That's why she's still wearing <laughs> one. Uh, Lenai Pahati has been in touch, says, what sort of team would West Coast Fever be if they had two shooters on the court who were actually getting their shots in? At one break, three players had the goal attack big bib on at the same time. Woohoo! Gosh. Gosh. <laughs> Jeez, I hope I hope your shooters on your team step up. <laughs> <laughs> Holds barred there. Oh, um, I think for fever. Yeah, I mean, it's tough for Fever because I think they've copped a lot of um, flack since they let Nat Medhurst go. Um, and then every goal attack that's then stepped into that role is then automatically compared to what Nat Medhurst did there. And, you know, they're not good enough and blah, blah, blah. Um, actually, you know, some of the, like, the goal attacks have, have done okay. But I think what they haven't done is they haven't given anyone a good enough crack at it to get a settled goal attack. And you see that from, from what the question was saying, you've got, you've got three goal attacks at fever in the, in the hub at the minute. They're all getting bits of court time. Alice Teague Neal's probably got the most, but Mm -hmm. they've not really allowed anyone just to settle and play themselves into that position. And you look at the best goal attacks in the league. um, Well, Helen Housby has been smashing it. um, But even, even some of, the other goal attacks, they, they just get time to, to play there consistently. Well, we talked, Sarah, didn't we, about Hodges not long, you know, a couple of uh, minutes ago. And the fact that when she played the last game, I mean, she was horrendous in the first quarter of the game and then was allowed just to keep ticking away and ticking away. And she was allowed to stay on court and came through beautifully in that win that they had against Vixen. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for letting them play through, you know, the rough patches. 
Yeah, there is, and and I think you know the flip side of it is what is what do Fever do? Because you've got you've basically got two options. You you let someone play and establish themselves as goal attack, or you go out and get a new goal attack, and then they'll get they'll get grief for that then because it'd be like, well, you've got three goal attacks, and now you're going to go and get a fourth or whatever. So I think so in the middle of the season, nothing's going to change now. But I think if they let let someone play through it and try to get someone who felt like they were their first choice goal attack consistently, um, it might pay dividends for them. There we go. I'm just, uh, I'm just wondering about the opportunity that may arise and if they're able to bring in a new player once ANZ concludes. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know what the rules are for, yeah, I'm not for the club, whether they can swap players in and out. I think my understanding was that they've kind of taken 12 so mm. that... That's it, quarter filled. The, the duration of, of that hub but that's also me just assuming that common sense has been used so it might not be that <laughs> so it's not going to be that is it not. <laughs> well that's what we like we like the variety of your questions so thank you very much we've got another one here from Carolyn Hughes who says I think getting rid of bonus points as well as condensed season has driven the amount of court time young players are getting not the super shot now just need to get rid of the hideous timeouts which make the match boring and break audience concentration what do you guys think? Well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not a hater of the timeout because it's nice now that they changed the rule on injuries, which were what players used to throw in to be able to get the timeout so that coaches and could talk to them and uh, regroup. Um, I'm liking the fact that they're not doing the bonus point. Oh, another thing that we've talked about, uh, which may well come back next season. And I'm loving the fact that because we don't have that bonus point and every team running their starting seven into the ground it's allowing these youngsters to get some some ball time and some experience which is what they need so for me um i'm liking the fact that they're getting to play and i'm liking the fact that the timeouts are there to be used both tactically by the coaches at the right time to interrupt the flow of the game which is what it's about and allows the coach to speak to those young inexperienced players and get the leaders to step up to look after them i think the time out, uh, sorry, the, the bonus point thing is probably going to be used as a compromise with the super shot. So if the super shot is staying, from an Australian coach's perspective, whoever that is and comes in, if the super, super shot was staying, if I was coming in as an Australian coach, I'd be like, well, if that's going to stay, then I want the bonus point not to be in again. Because that's, that's it is, Caroline, Caroline's right, that's why we're seeing more youngsters playing. And that's why you're seeing the Australian youngsters coming through. And we've not seen that for the last two, three years mm. in Suncorp because everyone was so terrified of losing a, a quarter that people were just running seven. Um, I disagree slightly with Mags on the timeout because I think it's, it's detrimental when those players go to internationals. And I think this has been spoken about before in terms of, I mean, I'm not really bothered because it's only detrimenting Australia at the minute. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you get to an international, you've not got timeout. And as a player, if you get used to when things are going bad, you can call a timeout and you can have a chat about it and you can get input from the coach. Then trying to adapt to not having that and having to think for yourself and pull yourself out of it is quite difficult. So I don't think it's it's doing the players justice by by giving them timeouts. But again, it's a commercial thing. They want they want ad breaks. They want to get advertisers on there. So let them, and let's hope Australia keep losing because of it. 
Oh, do you know what? But things, Sarah, are usually driven by what happens in Australia in that particular league. And the scary thing about it is, is that, you know, would they then take it to the International Federation for discussion and bringing it in permanently across the world? Well, that's, that's probably the way this is going, you know, like if, if, if the Aussie Diamonds can't kind of dictate to their league they'll probably try and dictate to the rest of the world, mm. which historically is what's happened in world yeah. netball. I'd like to think now that the rest of the world is strong enough to kind of go, no, like this is our sport. If you want to tinker with it, then crack on in your own league, but we're going to keep, keep our sport. Um, but I imagine that's the way it's going to go that Australia will be like, Oh, you know what? Why don't we bring timeouts back to the international yeah. netball? Yeah. We'll see. We shall see indeed. Thank you very much for your question, Carolyn. Now, the next question is coming from Sarah Bostock, who says, as a statistician at NWC 2019, it's great to hear a mention of champion data in last week's show. Do you think it'll be introduced in the Super League? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd probably say no, because I think it's probably quite an expensive mm. programme and stats programme to introduce, but... I don't know, to be honest. Uh, it'd be nice if it was because it churns out loads and loads of stats for people. But that's what makes me think that the cost is, is probably going to stop it. Okay, there you go. Sarah, short condensed answers there. In a nutshell, they don't know. <laughs> England, England netball fans say, I'd love to know if you think England netball have done a, a good enough job to get netball back quickly. <laughs> have they overcomplicated it and gone looking for dangers in the sport that aren't in netball any more than they are in basketball? Everyone I know is frustrated as hell and trying their hardest to stay sane and not get too unfit. I'd also like to know if running 5Ks is good pre-season, ready for when we can play socially again. And if so, how many times a week? Or does it depend on your position as to how helpful running is? Over to you guys. First part feels like a loaded question, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Be very quest- careful, don't pull that trigger. <laughs> um, I mean, on, on one hand, I think netball is different to basketball because if you look at basketball, then man-to-man marking isn't, isn't at the level it is in netball you know you're not in people's personal space all the time like you are in netball there's a lot more zonal marking there's a lot more half court defense you know I think netball is the exception in terms of a lot of the aim of the game is to get as close as you can to someone and I think that that's delayed it I think the frustrating thing from England netball is I don't think the communication has been great I actually think quite a lot of work has been going on behind the scenes like they, they've done a lot of studies and they've used Australia and the Isle of Man to test this new modified version of the game. Um, they've used a lot of video analysis to see how dangerous it, it is um, COVID-wise. I just don't think the communication has been great to the grassroots and, and, and community netball. And, and so it looks like nothing's happening. And I can understand the frustration on that um, because it has been a long time and you see other sports coming back and it is frustrating. So... I think it could have been handled better, but I don't think it's a lack of effort on England Netball's part. I think it's just probably a poor communication of what, what is being done. Do you agree with that, Max? Yeah, I do. Uh, there's little more that I need to say on that one. You know, nobody wants to attack our governing body because when all's said and done, the number one focus has been the safety of everybody involved in our sport. However, all it takes is for a line of communication to be put out there and people to be kept informed. And they said, fine, okay. You know, we're disappointed, but we get that. And I think what's interesting is, like, grassroots football's gone back, so, like, my my football team's gone back. 
<laughs> my football God, team. I can't even say it with a straight face. Um, my football team's gone back. And I, I was saying to our coach, oh, I'm, I'm surprised that grassroots football went back so early. I was like, I guess, you know, so many people playing football and mental health wise and things. And he was like, yeah, but I don't actually think it's a good thing because now we've got players coming to training and training with others, but being really worried because they've got someone shielding at home. And then you go and play a team and you see other teams interacting and they're, and they're not kind of social distancing when they're, they're not on the pitch and, and they're just going about their normal business and, and kind of being a little bit reckless with how they're behaving. And then you play them. So you're, you're, you're in much less control of, of the scenario because of who you're playing as well. So th- there's two sides to, to, to every coin. And, and I think, you know, we all want netball to get back, but we, we also need to try and make sure that everyone can play it and everyone can feel safe. Absolutely. And, you know, this is the first time that we've experienced this. So for all sports, they're trying to come at it from uh, finding the balance between getting people playing, but also doing it safely. And because we've never done it before, nobody really knows the right approach to that. So you have to cut a bit of slack for that. And regarding the, the 5K situation, I feel out of breath just saying that. Um, what would you say about that in terms of uh, for pre-season for training? I mean, any form of exercise is just amazing. And we've seen the, the value of exercise, particularly during this lockdown period. You know, more people have taken to the pavements or gone out, you know, into fields and, uh, and, and kept themselves um, fit and healthy, both body and mind. But the 5K thing is just about an endurance. And we, I can't personally say to this, this fabulous uh, listener, you've got to do it three times a week or you've got to do it one time a week. It's, it's personal and it's personal to you. And yeah, Sarah's a centre court player. Her endurance and her fitness would have to be far more supreme to what mine needed to be as, you know, a keeper at the other end or one of the shooters. I'd love to see, you know, Janelle Fountain doing a 5K, you know, as opposed to Sarah running it through the middle. So it's horses for courses, but there has to be a level of fitness across the court for everybody. Yeah, and like as a as a mid court, I used to quite like doing just like just running in pre season, like pre pre season, like when you're not on court and you you're in summer. I used to like just going for runs because I felt like it um, it kind of gave me a base level of fitness that I could then build on. I think. And so I think there's nothing wrong with, with going out and doing some 5Ks if, if you want to do however many you want to do a week, two, three, whatever. But then as season gets closer, it's important that you start mixing up what you're doing and making it shorter intervals. So then I'd change a 5K into like, you can go like four minutes of running, two minutes off and just go hard for those four minutes and then do that like four or five times and then get it shorter again until by the time you're in kind of full pre-season, you're doing much shorter intervals with, with shorter rest and, and it's getting up to sprint sprint capacity because that's where it, it really hurts when you, you've basically got to do repeated sprint efforts. There we go. Thank you very much for that, guys. Um, we've got another Emma here. Emma Allison says, how are the Nissan net points and super netball calculated? Please, for the love of God, if you know, tell us. Because <laughs> I have got no idea. Do you know what? It's, I don't know who sits and does that, whether or not so it's an algorithm. It's like an algorithm that makes it up. up I swear. I mean, it's, it's literally for every time you touch the ball or you do something with the ball, you can either get plus points or you can get minus points as but well. Is, so. 
it's also like it's so difficult for some positions to score points it would seem and other positions are on like 10 million points or whatever it's like top trumps if you look at shamira sterling for for example shamira sterling can take you know maybe four interceptions that gives her 40 points because i think the most you can get is 10 points for something like an interception um she can get a couple of tips deflections so she might pick up, especially if she deflects it and they score off it, she might pick up eight points for that. And then you've got your, your, your centre and your wing attack who are working tirelessly through the middle, 0.5 for taking a centre pass. <laughs> a point for catching first phase. <laughs> centre pass. Well, it also, you look at the end of the game and the winning team has less than on net points than the losing team. Mm. And I'm just like, I don't know, something's wrong here. Mm. And, so- yeah. So basically, Emma, what we can conclude is Sarah and Mags are equally as confused as you. We've got no idea what's going on. If, 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 if you do have an idea what's going on, please get in touch. Hello at mynebelnation.com. And, a lot, a, a lot, and a lot of like mid-court players seem to end up on minus points, which seems savage. They do, yeah. <laughs> like, like you say, you've got like Janelle and Shamira on like 100 on netball points. Then you've got like yeah. some centre who's just run about 15k on like minus six. Yeah, you're off. Well, as I say, if you do know, if you do know how it works, please get in touch. Hello at mynetballnation.com and fill us in. Final <laughs> question then. Alex Marsh, has anyone mentioned the hip hop super shot air siren yet? I feel <laughs> <laughs> this is the only thing I like about the super shot. This siren. No, it's like, here. Like, it's like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> like the beats dropping. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah they, they need to they've obviously like borrowed it from the warehouse project or something in manchester like <laughs> like confetti's about to fall from the ceiling it's great uh well thank you alex thank you all of you for getting in touch and if you fancy getting in touch like these guys with a burning question for mags and sarah you can do so via our social media or email us hello at my netballnation.com now then due to an out- outbreak of covid19 in new zealand all round 10 games were cancelled and declared a draw. We have, however, had confirmation that the final will go ahead on August the 23rd between defending champions Pulse and Tactics, but behind closed doors. Now, before we get on to chatting about that, let's have a little recap of what we made of the condensed ANZ season with Sarah and Mags giving us their choice for each category. Are we ready? Oh, yeah, go on then. Right, I'll start with you, Sarah, just purely because you're top left of my screen. Um, Favourite team? Well, my heart will always belong to Pulse, um, but I think most watchable team this year has probably been Mystics. Mm. Max? I went for Magic, despite the fact that they've ended up at the bottom of the, the ladder. I think they've worked so hard. I think some of the netball that they've played has been, you know, fabulous to watch. And, um, and development, I think there's been some fabulous development as they've gone through the season. So I've liked watching Magic. Magic for Mags. Uh, most improved player, Sarah? This is a tough one. Like the, a, lot, a lot of these players have just had an opportunity to play a lot more and step up this season. Probably Grayson Wecky from Mystics. I think she was good last year. Um, I think just playing this year has helped her. And you see the difference in just the balls that she's managing to keep hold of and the space she's holding and her strength. Um, I think, yeah, she's, she's probably up there. And for you, Max? I went with uh, Georgia Tong um, because of the fact that she was, she's come to the spotlight. 
she has been given an opportunity to get on the car. And when she's got on the car, she has done some phenomenal things because she's not overly tall, um, but she's extremely athletic and agile and reminds me of uh, Carla Pretorius in the making. Nice. And most improved team, Sarah? Tactics, I think. Again, they were decent last year. I think Tipaya Selby Rickett has made a huge difference to them, um, just giving them like, like a double threat on in the shooting circle, kind of cementing their, their attack end. I think she brings a steadiness to their attack end. And they always had a great defence end. You know, they've got Temelisi back from injury. Um, so I think they're just, they're good all through court now and, and you can see it in the performances. Tactics for Sarah, do you agree, Max? I absolutely do agree. That's exactly who I went with. And I think Selby Ricker in the goal has steadied Bird's hands because I was always a little bit worried about Bird and she has just improved as this competition's gone on. And the defensive duo of Watson and Temelise, well, you know, they're just on fire. So, yeah, I agree. Um, and what's interesting now is, uh, like, I think yesterday they announced they'd given Marianne Delaney Hoshek a, a, a three-year contract as coach. Brilliant. So they'll now get some stability um, as co- with, with coach, which probably means a lot of their players will stay. And they'll be able to, I think they'll probably be able to build something quite special in, in the next few years at Tactics. Yeah, exciting to watch. Now then, favourite defender? It's, oh, it's got to be Temelisi. Um, I just think because she's different, you know, she's not just a, a, a big, tall defender. You know, she's, she's shorter than a lot of the shooters, but she gets stuck in. She wins ball outside the circle. Um, she's got great personality. She brings a bit of edge to the sport. So you're always going to want to watch her play. And for you, Max? Temelisi. I've got exactly the same person down for the same reasons. She's just inspirational as a defender that never-say-never attitude. And between her and Jane, they show you how a unit defence within the circle should work. It's, it's great to watch them. I have to say, though, my, my favourite defensive pairing were actually um, Phoenix and Sulu at Mystics. Oh, OK. Purely because they worked the circle so well. They weren't just like man-on-man, you know, someone stand on the goal shooter and, and someone run around. The, the switches they did the work they did to get around body and get on front position, it's like textbook for any young defenders coming through, like watch them play and their footwork and their communication and their timing is just always, always on point. Favourite shooter? Well, I mean, I, get, I gave Grace and Wecky most improved players, so she's prob- probably my favourite shooter. Although, I mean, if you're going for, has the most impact on the team, probably Emilia Anacanasio, who's like absolutely world-class this year. Just makes such a difference to that Pulse team when she's in it and when she's not. So she's probably having the biggest impact. And for you, Mags? Um, I've championed her all, all series. You know, it's Maya Wilson for me. I from saw Stars. this and I was like, Mags is going Maya Wilson. <laughs> Maya, 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 love her. Um, and, you know, she stepped up um, just with, her, obviously, a training uh, off-court pre-season. She's got herself a super fit. She has a goal. She wants that goal shoot a bit permanently for New Zealand and I think she's stamped and made a mark I think she's been awesome get the ball to her she's a finisher mm. favorite center court player Sarah this is hard because there's so many good center court players in New Zealand it's like I get really excited watching I'm such a little nerd about it like <laughs> Taylor Earl's been great at Mystics I think as, as a young player coming through Kimi Oropoi is like goals like just especially for for those two are just shorter players so when everyone's like oh you've got to be like six foot plus to play netball those two aren't they're shorter players they've just got massive engines a lot of energy 
but I think for me, the best centre court player this year has been Gina Crampton at Steel. She's dragged that Steel team through some games and they've won matches they had no right to win. And I think Nolene will be really pleased from a Silver Ferns perspective that she's stepped up in, in a leadership role and just been like, right, I'll take responsibility of getting ball to goal. Let's go. And for you, Mags? Loving the suggestions that Sarah's put forward for the youngsters who have stepped up and developed. Uh, but for me, it's uh, Elizabetta Toyeva because of the fact that she was dealt a massive leadership role at the beginning of the season with, you know, a goal shooter and a goal attack. And, you know, uh, and, so, and a centre, sometimes with not as much experience, in particular the goal shooter and the goal attack, little or no experience. And she has led by example and has caused havoc for defenders with those youngsters. So my shout goes out to her um, for a great season, leadership and skill and ability. Now you've mentioned the youngsters, but who is your best young player, Sarah? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I'd, I'd probably go Grace and Wecky again in terms of, you know, she's had a massive impact, but so many good young players are coming through in that league. And um, we've spoken about it before. It's like scary from a New Zealand perspective, how much depth they're going to have coming through for Silver Ferns. So I will, yeah, I will go with Grace and Wecky, but there's a lot. And Max? I went Maddie Gordon. Um, for the simple reason that this is a, a young athlete who was originally tagged as a, a centre wing defence, but has clearly learned to play across all three and has been injected into that pulse squad this season. And my God, has she done some amazing things. Um, just to speed, the touch on the ball, uh, her agility and her ability, um, I think have been outstanding. And again, which wing defence is going to stop her? Very few have been able to stop her this season. So, you know, a star of the future to say that she's never played wing attack through a season and just owned it. And how exciting will the next Silver Fern squad be? Oh, because who, scary. Who, who do you put in there? Who do you oh, put in there? Like you've got Maddie Gordon, you've got Gina Crampton, Kimmy Oropoi, Laura Langman's got to get in there. Yeah. Shannon Francois. Like, you can't take everyone. So I'd I think say that that's... some of the older, experienced uh, Kiwis will be a little bit worried because they're killing it. It's a, it. That's a good place to be, though, isn't it? it yeah, really good. And I think it's it's great for international netball when we're excited about a Silver Fern squad being named. You know, like you know, it's in a good place. Absolutely. Now, after all that, only one <laughs> thing left, guys. Grand final predictions. So, how do you expect the match to play out and who's going to win this? Sarah? I mean, I've got to go Pulse because, you know, I have to. <laughs> Loyalty. But I think, it, I think, I do think Pulse will win it because I think they've had enough time now to prepare. Um, and you, you never know what's going to happen in a one-off game. But I think Pulse are a level above tactics. Tactics are great, but the quality that Pulse have got in that team they'd have to play badly to lose this game, I think. And I don't think they will. So Sarah's going for Pulse. Max, who are you going for? Who's your winner? I have to agree with Sarah. Um, Pulse, if they get Akinasio back and they get Gordon back, will make the world of difference. Yes, I accept that one of the games played through the season against Tactics when they had both Akinasio and they had Gordon. They only beat Tactics by one. But that said, 
Um, they're just used to playing in those big games all the time. They're more used to playing out and, and finishing as uh, number one, even though tactics were tipped right at the beginning to be the winners because they thought that they had the winning team. I still don't think that they will have enough to get over the line, but it'll be close. It's going to be close, but you're both going for Pulse. Yeah. That is it. That is it for the podcast today. So, Mags, I'll come to you first to give Sarah a moment. To <laughs> any any shout-outs? You know, nothing really uh, locally other than, um, you know, keep going with the camps. Everybody's out there getting out, enjoying. We'll be able to have more people at camps now. Now that we can have 30 people on the court and we may actually have some actual movement of ball positionally. So mm. I know that people will be giddy about that. Uh, but I've just seen um, I, um, that Phoenix Carica, she's announced that she's pregnant, which is just amazing, expecting a first child, child. So big shout out to her and her partner. And also the uh, retirement of um, Storm Purvis. Mm. So that's going to open up uh, a door for one of those youngsters you know, uh, stars to step in. So let's just hope that they've given enough exposure to the girls on the bench throughout this uh, very shortened season. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mags. Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to give a shout out to Phoenix and, um, and Pat, who obviously, Mag said, announced, announced that Phoenix is pregnant. So that's great. Um, a little baby, all black or silver fern on the way. And then also to Katie Holland at Storm, who, who announced her retirement. So she won't be going back to Surrey Storm. So, I mean, that, that's a loss for the league. Mm-hmm. Katie's been a quality defender for, for years, years through the league, but a great career again. Um, and so a massive congratulations to her. Um, and then, yes, Storm retiring and lots and lots of milestones in, in the Suncorp. You know, Verity Charles got her 100th game the other day. Um, I saw Kate Maloney had her 100th game. Seabass had 200 games. So to all those guys, you know, it doesn't sound a lot, 100 games, but when you think there's only, you know, about 15 in a season for those guys, it's... Um, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So A lot, a lot of games. Lots of shout-outs there. Very impressed with that. was not expecting it. Thank you very much for that, guys. Don't forget, we're giving you the chance to win a pair of Asics brand-new netball trainers for you and a pair for a friend. We've got eight pairs to give away of four shoes available now at Netball UK. To enter, go to our website and click on the banner on the homepage and you'll be back to court ready with Netball UK and Asics. Now, before we go, just to let you know that next week's show will be our last of the summer. But don't worry, we'll be back in the new year once we've finally shaken off 2020 once and for all thanks for that guys see you next week thanks take care everybody bye Bye. this is Netball Nation powered by Netball UK shop now at netballuk.co.uk